Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, you know, I'm just thinking right now, I should have made a, uh, a spooky Halloween theme for this one. Ah, well, maybe next year. I'm sure there'll be another Halloween episode for us to do. But today we are talking about Adam Sandler's Hubie Halloween, a kind of fun silly ridiculous new movie out on netflix that really really gets into the halloween spirit um you know love him or hate him adam sandler has really carved out a career for himself uh in in the world of comedy and now especially in the world of netflix originals and you know i think for fans of his and for people who maybe used to be fans and kind of think he fell off which is the camp that i I uh, would find myself in, I, I think this one is a little bit of a return to form. I had a lot of fun with this movie, and I had a great time talking about it with returning co-host Joe Black. And before we get into the conversation, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, and follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, and check out our website, PiecingPod.com, where... This is episode 147, I believe, so there's a lot of other episodes to check out. So check out our website, and uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you all so much for the support. We've been getting so much great feedback lately on this show, and I do love doing it, and I am going to keep doing it. I've got like five recording sessions planned this week for new movies, so a lot of piecing it together coming your way. But right now, it's time to get into a very important film called... Hubie Halloween. All right, Joe Black is back with us again. Joe, how you doing, man? I'm doing lovely. How are you doing? I'm I'm all right. I am uh, getting into the Halloween spirit. This is our mm-hmm. first, I think, Halloween themed episode. I don't know if we're actually doing Halloween themed episodes, but hey, <laughs> this one this one will count, right? It'll <laughs> encompass all of them in one. You know, this is all we really need when it yeah. comes down to it. Is a episode on Adam Sandler's Hubie Halloween, Joe. <laughs> wh- okay, let let's get this going first. What made you want to do this one? What made you want to join me for this conversation? I just I love Adam Sandler. I think he's a uh, I think he's a modern day cinema hero. Okay. Um, up until you don't mess with the Zohan, I was just a big fan. You know what I mean? And then when I saw you don't mess with the Zohan, it's when everything clicked for me. I was like, oh my god, he's like he's doing like a, a this is like a public service. you know like he um like everybody disses on adam sandler but he's the only person who speaks to like you know blue collar uh salt of the earth middle america and Mm -hmm. you don't mess with the zohan is a movie about like like tolerance and the evils of like you know capitalist gentrification you know like Mm -hmm. you've got an israeli and a palestinian who realize they only hate each other because of generations worth of like tradition. And then once they realize they're both in the same boat, they team up together and uh, overthrow the evil Donald Trump uh, capitalist character and create a brand new community of like, I was like, wow, this movie's made for, you know, trailer parks and everyone in the tra- <laughs> in a trailer park owns this movie. And now that message is in their minds. God, right. Adam Sandler. He's putting good messages out there for yeah. sure. I, I I wish I had the same level of optimism of of modern Adam Sandler. I I do love Zohan. Don't get me wrong; that mm-hmm. is absolutely fantastic. I do feel like after that, he kind of 
fell off a little bit. I think now that I think about it, this is the first uh, modern Sailor movie, not counting, you know, something like Uncut Gems that we're covering here on the show, uh, mm-hmm. you know, since the show started three years ago. So none of the other Netflix releases, and I'm trying to think if he had any other like major theatrical releases after that. I think maybe one, uh, but it was probably like a kid one or something like that, you know? Pixels? Yeah, like Pixels or something like that. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's just been these Netflix ones. and. Yeah. He's he's certainly carved out this this thing for himself, this career. He's making an insane amount of money doing what he loves doing. And I guess that is something to be celebrated for for not being so uh making it into like something that is the Hollywood business, you know? Sure. And instead instead it's just having fun making movies. Yeah, and I mean Netflix is like such a perfect platform for what he's doing, especially now. In that, like, he's just getting his buds together and making, like, funny little fun movies. And you can even see it in, like, um, on Netflix, he doesn't have to be the lead. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He'll give the lead to David Spade, like, uh, uh, the the do-over, or to, uh, to, like, Chris Rock in The Week Of. And he, and the movies are long. Like, Hubie yeah. Halloween is the only normal length one. All the other ones, including Ridiculous Six, are over two hours long. Jeez. But, but yeah, you know, but again, it's, um, it's perfect because it's just like a hangout movie, you know what I mean? For him and for us. And so I remember when I saw the grownups, uh, movies, the first one, I, I, you know, every movie has that thing where like at the end of act two that they call the dark night of the soul, where all the shit comes out and everybody gets mad at each other and things look. And I remember watching grownups and just thinking all times, like, I don't want that to happen. Right in this movie, I'm just enjoying the weekend with David Spade yeah. and Adam Sandler, and then they do the Dark Knight of the Soul and wrap up all the issues in like three minutes. It's one big scene on the dock, and then they just mm-hmm. go about with hanging out for the last act of the movie. And I, I love that, you know. And 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 and, and, and I, I get why people, you know, might have problems with putting on their shoes and paying fifteen bucks to go see an Adam Sandler movie. But like, if you go, if you're just already at home and you pop on the Ridiculous Six, come on. <laughs> like, you know, which that's still my favorite of his Netflix movies is the Ooh. first one he did. Ridiculous Six. I really I, like I, that movie. I don't think I made it through the whole thing, but maybe I should give it another shot for you, Joe. Oh, um, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I've liked okay. them all, though. I really have. I, I, yeah. I, I've liked all of them, you know, varying levels. And uh, yeah, I mean, he is just doing stuff right now for fans and family. And uh, I mean, God, he's been, you know, an A, you know, an A-lister for lack of a better thing to call him for 25 years now. So, yeah. You know. I, I like a couple of them. Uh, I, I definitely haven't hated all the ones I've watched and I haven't watched them all, but mm-hmm. uh, to, to bring it back to Hubie Halloween, uh, one more thing before we start getting into some puzzle pieces is I noticed the day this came out, the, the reaction was Adam Sandler promised he was going to make the worst movie ever if he didn't get his Oscar. And here it is. He really did make the worst movie ever. This is so bad. This is the worst thing ever. And it's been about, what, it's been like four days since this movie came out. Yeah. And already, I think that has turned to, actually, it's really fun. <laughs> you know, yeah. this movie is pretty damn fun. And the reaction online seems to be reflecting that. I think that it was just those quick hot takes in the moment. And I think it's kind of already finding its audience as, like I said, this is the one I, I've personally, you know, found to be the most fun of his Netflix movies. I think it really is kind of connecting with more people than some of his other ones. It's 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 a movie for non-fans, if you will. Like, it's not like you don't have sure. to be an Adam Sandler fan to like this one. It's it's not even 100 minutes. It's um unless you count the credits, which are 13 minutes long for some reason. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, look at it. They're 13 minutes long. Um, are we talking end credits or opening? Yeah, I don't remember the, that. The end, the end credits are 13 okay. minutes long. It's very wow. bizarre. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's the first. It's like just a straightforward movie. It's like that perfect. Like, is it a family movie? Is, you know what I mean? It's right. It's the not for fans only Adam Sandler. And and I think that's brilliant. It's got a 50 percent I saw on Rotten Tomatoes. And, mm-hmm. you know, like but even the negative reviews, kind of like what you're saying, most of them are like, it's fine, but it should be better. It's like, what are you talking about? Leave it alone. <laughs> Like, I, I noticed one of my friends uh, said that his kid wanted to watch it three nights in a row already. Mm-hmm. So, I, oh, yeah. I would, I would be the same way. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like if I was, if I was ten years old, I, this would be my 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 favorite movie of the year. You know, it's it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm more than three times that. And as it sits, it's you know in my top ten. But that's only because it's a pretty weak <laughs> year. You know, but but uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to talking about it. And and uh, unlike usual, I I only have a couple pieces. You know, and, okay. <laughs> so well. Why don't we get into your first piece? What do you got? 
Okay. Um, the first one I the first one I had was a uh, um, at first when they were doing like the uh, the shack thing on the radio, which uh, <laughs> uh, you know, um, you've got like this voice that's kind of like narrating what's happening throughout the whole first like half of the movie. I was like, oh, they're doing like a um, they're doing like a, a warriors, you know, the um, okay. Walter Hill film, the warriors, where like this person is like kind of narrating our journey, if you will. Um, but then when once he got to the radio station, when he gets chased by the mob to the radio station, I was like, ooh, maybe they'll do a twist here and link it to a Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, mm. um, which the whole first half of that movie is set at the radio station where every all the shit goes down. Sure. But then plot twist, they actually turned it into more of like an American graffiti Wolfman Jack scene. Right. Um, you know, where it, which sets Sandler on his course. You know what I mean? Um so uh so yeah i guess like my first puzzle piece is the evolution from the warriors to texas chainsaw 2 to american graffiti like yeah yeah it's definitely a, a journey there of radio-based uh movie movie moments there but uh yeah no absolutely that that whole uh that whole segment kind of you know setting up the movie setting up almost narrator like throughout and definitely american graffiti was the one that i had kind of thought of of those three but yeah. um i could totally see those other two as well being included in there and then uh of course the the big reveal uh with shack being that <laughs> voice is just ridiculous I, I hate that it works for me still that like those corny jokes where he has Shaq basically do the same thing every movie but like it really does work for me every time you know <laughs> like I'm just a big fan of uh Shaq well specifically the movie Steel mm -hmm. where Shaq played the superhero I oh, uh I yeah. have uh I have a weird collection of memorabilia from that film I have I have it on DVD VHS I have uh I have the soundtrack on cassette, CD, and vinyl. I have a T-shirt. I have every action figure. Wow. I have the uh, novelization and the junior novelization. Were you a fan of Shaq Fu, the video game? No, I did. I didn't really have video games growing up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you had, yeah, you had to go. You had to go with those other Shaq-related uh, paraphernalia. I remember that came out the same year as Spawn, the live action mm -hmm. Spawn. And Spawn came out first. It came out in uh, like late June, early July. And I remember uh, after we saw Steel in the theater, my poor father, um, we walked <laughs> out of it. And I remember him asking me, he was like, well, which one did you like better, Spawn or Steel? And I looked at him like he was an idiot because I was like, come on, Steel, you know, obviously. <laughs> and I remember my reasoning in my you know 10 year old brain was Steel could actually happen, dad. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good reason. <laughs> well, I'll go on to my first piece. Uh, and it's a movie I, I don't really like, but I know has a very big cult following, and I figured I'd bring it up, and that's uh, Michael Dougherty's Trick or Treat. Um, mm -hmm. Are you a fan, fan of that movie at all, Joe? Never seen it. I, I, okay. I've seen that cover a thousand times. And yeah. It's got the guy from Happiness, but that's it. It just doesn't work for me, that movie. I just... The the thing though that does work about it, I think, is the the whole Halloween setting and production design of all that, mm -hmm. and I think it does a really great job of kind of painting a picture of like this kind of best version of Halloween, with just everybody and everything being just totally decked out and totally everybody dressed up and everybody's houses decorated, and uh, it it does a good job of of setting, I think, and that's one positive i could say about that movie and that's definitely a positive here as well uh, there's there's so much great stuff happening with the costumes i know you particularly were a fan of ray liotta's uh costume oh, yes <laughs> yes i was but uh there's a lot of that going on though a lot of stuff in the background to just pick out little bits and pieces little easter eggs and stuff like that of halloween related good stuff yeah i uh um in trick-or-treat if i'm not mistaken isn't that an anthology film of sorts it is. It's. It's. They're kind of all woven together, kind of like a Pulp Fiction style. Right. Okay. Yeah. And and this movie almost almost has that quality too. Where sure. like there's a lot of like side characters, but he gives them their own little scenes. Like by the time uh uh Maya Rudolph and uh and Tim Meadows show up, like they're in their own little movie. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, Kevin James is in his own little movie. Like mm -hmm. the psycho killer really has no uh relation to adam sandler's character in the movie you know what i mean but <laughs> yeah. but but kevin james that's his like goal you know um right and i i i, I like that about it actually um I, yeah I, it, gives, it gives everybody time to shine and everybody you know chances to have all these like little like favorite characters you can have throughout right 
And you talk about costumes. And I remember when I saw Tim Meadows' costume, especially first, I was like, if he ever takes that off, this movie loses points for me. And thank God he didn't. Because, like, <laughs> it was really funny. Like, from start to finish, that costume was hilarious. Like, him examining the scarecrow in that costume and then the scarecrow having his wig. Classic. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, what do you got for your next piece? Okay, this next piece is another one that's kind of like um, an evolution kind of piece that like um they you know they go to um this big halloween party in a mm-hmm. barn and uh immediately because i'm such a fan it reminded me of rob zombie's halloween 2 oh okay. which has the huge halloween party centerpiece where they all go dress as the rocky horror picture show people and then like the wolfman guy gets killed in the van um mm-hmm. i don't know if you've ever seen it um, no, I, I actually have not seen his Halloween 2. No, I know you speak very highly of it. Though. My favorite horror film of all time. Yeah. Um, I almost got a tattoo of it once. I, I was offered a free tattoo, and so I flipped a coin. It was either going to say Halloween 2 2009 or Myrtle Gordon, and it landed <laughs> on heads, which was Myrtle Gordon. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, it started to remind me of that, and then when it goes out into the cornfield, at first I was starting to get reminded of Signs. Naturally. Okay, yeah, like, oh, okay no, this that. is more of like a signs kind of thing. But then once the scene actually started happening in the cornfield, I was reminded of what is one of my favorite scenes in any horror movie. And you could argue this is a horror comedy, but Freddy versus Jason. Okay. Um, Freddy versus Jason uh, has a whole sequence set. There's a rave in the middle of a cornfield. And this girl like gets lost in the rave and like this guy like finds her and she's like all drugged out and this guy is covered in glow sticks. Yeah. And um right, yeah, and he's like about to like do something awful to her when Jason like stabs both of them with a pipe and flings the guy <laughs> off into the corn. And um that I was very reminded of that when the what's his name got like zip lined through the corn by Sanders mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That whole thing is, uh, that's a, a pretty ridiculous reveal, but it, uh, I bought it when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. It it works out all well, all well and fine in the world of this movie. Well, yeah. And you know, it's one of those things too, where they like perfectly set it up. Like it's not as ridiculous as it could have been because they set up when he's touring the museum that like his, you know, his great, great grandmother was accused of it. And then like, you know, then the family became witches and the mom was using witchcraft. I bought it all. I was like, okay, yeah, you did kind of plant those seeds. It's not just. Yeah, that is an interesting point before I move on to my next piece is that this movie for as silly and ridiculous and all the butt and fart jokes and stuff (laughs) like they, they do care about setting things up. Mm -hmm. Like there is a a through story and it's not just uh, an excuse to make a bunch of dumb jokes. Yeah. And, and like when they set up the people who are kidnapped by uh, the mom, what's really interesting is that the scenes where we really get to know these characters, none of them are with Hubie. Like, um, Mm -hmm. like Ray Liotta's character, we get him trying to hit on that one girl and like, (laughs) you know, getting resentful of it, you know, and then with my, uh, with, a. uh, my Rudolph and uh, Tim Meadows, they have their marital problems. And then the uh-huh. uh, the bully, you know, they have their own little like storylines going on. So that's really nice that we have context for who they are as people outside of just like how they affect Adam Sandler. Yeah. You know, and I think that that speaks just to how Adam Sandler views people. I mean, that that never mind. I'm not going to get into this because that's me getting into my <laughs> Adam Sandler philosophical thing, which, you know, hey, we still got time. We might we might get into that as we uh, continue through, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> Maybe if one day we do a, a missing pieces thing for Zohan, we can really get uh, into it. But. OK, uh, that sounds like fun. Uh, OK, I will go to my next piece. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little um, away from movies for a second with my next piece and instead just say a Halloween music playlist, just Mm -hmm. in general, like what you would hear at any Halloween party or a Halloween costume store. You know, of course you start the movie off with monster mash. I mean, how could you not? And then just throughout, it's just constant, like Halloween classic music the whole way through. And it sets the tone. It's again, we're, we're talking about setting this perfect Halloween scene, trying to just kind of deck this thing out as this whole Halloween experience from beginning to end and I feel like it it uh 
you know, as cliche as it sounds, it's like the music is a character kind of thing. You sure. know, it, it, it's per, it's perfectly built around that, I think, in a lot of ways. Which also feeds into that American graffiti kind of feel, you know, sure, making it all sure. about the whole town. It, You know, and from the trailer, I gathered that this was going to be a true like fall Halloween kind of movie. So I, I'm not making this up. Me and, me and uh, my fiance, Kat, we went to um, we went to the grocery store beforehand and we bought like apple cider and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And like we had like. We wanted to do like a true like, you know, fall feeling kind of experience watching the movie. Nice. Uh, and uh, and the movie did not disappoint uh, <laughs> in that way. Um, I'll do one that's not a, a, a movie either. I had another song. Um, the sure. uh, Steve, Steve Buscemi storyline in this film, which I loved. Um, he's he's the best. I agree. I agree. And like the big reveal, too, that he's like glued the hair on his arms. So funny. <laughs> um, uh I, I I was thinking of the Tom Waits. Um, I don't know if it's a song, but it is. A, it's on Mule Variations. It's a it's a spoken piece called "What's He Building in There." Okay. Um, I, which, I haven't heard this. Oh, it's so good. Um, it's on Mule Variations, which is probably his most popular album outside of Rain Dogs, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a it's a like a very blues rock heavy album, but then there's like a skit in the middle that has like old radio uh, tuning sound effects. And it's just Tom Waits playing this nosy neighbor with a, mm. who just keeps repeating. What's he building in there? You know, just like <laughs> questioning his neighbor's activities, you know um, he's, you know, saying things like uh, uh, there's a tire swing on the tree. Of course, I bet he has enough formaldehyde to choke a horse. You know, just, it's a very strange <laughs> making these, you know, I heard someone moaning low. With like creepy like oboe playing in the background, you know, and uh, and it brilliantly never reveals. It just ends on the same question after two minutes of Tom Waits creepily inquiring, what is my creepy neighbor up to? That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. love that. I, I love that piece. And yeah, I, I, I love Steve Buscemi in this. But when uh, Sandler asked him, how old are you? And he goes, you mean in human years? Like, <laughs> <laughs> if only Tom Waits had played that character, actually. I it, Oh, it'd be good. Thinking of Tom Waits and Adam Sandler at the same time is like a dream come true for me. I have on my left arm, I have an Adam Sandler tattoo. But on my right arm, I have my Tom Waits tattoo. Um, where do you? Where do you find room for all these tattoos? Like you always seem to have one. It's yeah, amazing. yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I, I I like to combine tattoos. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's My true. Tom Waits one is it says "Wait" underneath, which you think is Tom Waits, but no, it's actually my favorite Lou Reed song, and they mm. just like go together. You know, um, I that's I like to compartmentalize. Stuff. You know, I've only got yeah. the two arms. Yeah, yeah. You gotta <laughs> make good use of space. Uh, okay, I will go with my next. Uh, I, I'm going to go, you know, this one I kind of could have just combined with Trick or Treat, but I'm going to go with this TV series, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Which uh, one? Which, uh, good question. I guess you go with both. The one I, I, I haven't seen any of the original for many, many, many years. So I've seen the most more recent one recently. Uh, my wife watches it. And uh, it's always kind of on in the background for me. I haven't like paid attention to the storyline but i've certainly seen the setting and again talking about that setting and just kind of that feeling of like like ghost story halloween-ish kind of a feeling where everything is not exactly scary but spooky you know what i mean and just that kind of a feeling i i yeah i really liked how this movie like wove in like so many different types of like urban legendy kind of it feels like campfire stories you know what i mean right the next door neighbor werewolf the escaped psychopath the you know the witch ancestry like even like the headless horseman with you know tim meadows and stuff (laughs) it it really did like weave all that really nicely and we even get a a nice little sort of haunted house sequence in the middle you know what i mean is it's a well thought out movie yeah it's got every little bit that kind of ties back to that whole halloween playlist thing like it's got every little bit of halloween just mixed in there you know it's like it's really like a uh like a playlist it like throws in all your favorites all your favorite characters and all your favorite little halloween bits and pieces yeah you you know stephen brill directed this movie and um, he's more of a writer than a director um Mm -hmm. so i wonder you know what i mean i wonder how involved he's not credited on it as a writer but he has a really good sense of that kind of like clean, get to the point kind of, you know, um, writing. And I wonder if that like efficiency kind of 
helped keep this movie together in such a tight amount of time. You know what I mean? Sure. Kept it from getting indulgent. He did direct most of like, like the more popular Sandler movies, right? As far as I remember. The only one I remember 100% that he actually directed. I know there's more than one, but the only one I remember 100% is uh, Little Nicky. I believe he did Mr. Deeds as well. I want to say yes to that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, whenever I think of Stephen Brill, there's there's a story. It's on the knocked up commentary where mm-hmm. um, Stephen Brill, um, if you don't know him, you've seen him in movies before. Like right. he always pops up as like a one liner guy, like in Batman Returns. He he's like the guy reading the newspaper who says, oh, don't need hands as long as you got heart, you know, and <laughs> and knocked up. He has one shot as um, Seth Rogen's new boss toward the end of the film. And on the hmm. commentary, Judd Apatow tells a story about how when they premiered the movie, um, that scene was happening and Tobey Maguire was sitting right behind Judd Apatow. And when Stephen Brill popped up, Judd Apatow just heard Tobey Maguire say, fucking Steve Brill. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> what a story. Yeah. <laughs> For all That's you Sandler cool. fans, he's the, uh, he's the prosecutor in uh, Big Daddy. And he's also the um, he's the guy in Wedding Singer who's like, You're, I heard your wife left you at the altar, man. You must feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. All right. What do you got for your next piece? The next piece that I have um, is kind of a, an, uh, an interesting one. Uh, I, I am a, a sucker for a good gadget. And um, mm-hmm. I love the thermos joke in this movie i love sure. that joke every single thing about it just classic even it, like not having the compass like just just yeah fucking <laughs> hilarious um and uh him giving them the the thermoses at the end just a beautiful little touch um but i uh it reminded me of one of my all-time absolute favorite comedies which is hot shots part do oh um, amazing Yes, yes. Uh, And uh, one of the running gags in that almost perfect film is Charlie Sheen's Rambo knife is like a million different things. Like at one point, it's like a pair of scissors. It's a chainsaw at one point. My favorite bit in it is where he like stabs a a soda can with it and a little straw comes out of the handle. And he says, (laughs) you know, (laughs) yeah, I I I love a good gadget joke. And I felt like I hadn't seen one of those in a long time. And 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 every time they use it was just perfect. yeah, it, it was really that was one of my one of my favorite parts of the movie because it was just so ridiculous and so funny and like you just knew that that thing was gonna like come in handy in so many ways like right from the beginning right from the bike ride where he catches those eggs with it so and, good like, yeah Im- immediately you knew like oh this thing is like is in tune with this thing and him being like <laughs> like Rocky and then just puking uncontrollably <laughs> I will say that that was another running gag in the movie that I loved where like people were like throwing shit at him all the time when he's riding his bike but but i think that they peaked a little early on that joke when like the second time they do it somebody throws a cinder block at him (laughs) (laughs) i really like that well hot shots part do that's also kind of just like a lost comedy form just like that kind of comedy got replaced with the epic movie date movie self you know referential kind of humor like things went from being like I, when I think of like how Hot Shots Part Two was like a spoof of Rambo movies and stuff, but then there are genius jokes in it. Like I don't know, like like when he's reading Great Expectations and Ryan Styles is like, "What you reading? Uh, Great Expectations? Any good? Not all I hope for." Yeah. You know, like, like <laughs> um, just in that scene alone, you got the green flashing light for them to parachute out of the thing, and the green light just goes green, 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 green. <laughs> but but that kind of thing has been replaced with like. You know, Scary Movie 2, where they just did the Nike basketball commercial for no reason. Right. You know what I mean? Um, it's a lost art form. It really is. It really is. Yeah, we, we've actually talked about it on Awesome Movie or a bunch lately because we were doing uh, 77 and we did like Kentucky Fried Movie. Mm-hmm. We did uh, High Anxiety. And like, so we were talking a lot about that, about how spoofs just, it's just, like you said, it's become just referencing things within pop culture instead of actually making jokes about anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and and I think about like the care that used to go into those kind of movies, like to keep it on Hot Shots Part Two. There's a scene where Ryan Stiles shoots this guy with a grenade gun, and then you see this shot where the guy who got shot is just splattered across the wall in this uh-huh. giant mosaic. And then Ryan Stiles runs away, and then the face of the mosaic looks at us and goes, "Now that's a hell of a gun." And like <laughs> that's like a two second joke that took all day. 
to paint, yeah, to set sure. up, to create, to build. That took thousands of dollars for one really great joke. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and people just don't want to do that anymore. It's easier just to make a white guy break dance or something like that. Damn, you know, I... I might actually watch Hot Shots Part Two today. Oh my I, it's God. been it's been far too long. It's such a good movie. When I the guy's it. trying to use code over the radio, where he's like, "The vultures are circling the nests," and the guy like looks up, he's like, "I see a couple of gulls, but <laughs> so uh, Operation good. Hot Scotch Paddywhack, Paddywhack, give a dog a bone, sir." <laughs> but that gadget thing with the, oh. with the thermos, also, uh, I want to make this public pitch. It's time for an Inspector Gadget movie again, mm. like a. But and it's time for Adam Driver to play Inspector Gadget. Ooh. Adam Driver looks the part. He sounds the part. He's got the comedic chops. He's got the kid fan base with Star Wars. He really could. And he could do it. They could take 10 years to get this movie made and he'd still be appropriate for the role. I'd like to get the ball rolling now. An Inspector Gadget movie. Adam Driver, please make it happen. I'm in. I'm in. Well, speaking of cartoons, I'm going to go with my next puzzle piece, which is Scooby-Doo, which, of course, we've got all the spookiness and all that, but also the main reason I wanted to bring up Scooby-Doo, which, you know, otherwise could have been rolled into some of those other pieces, is because of how Hubie is scared of everything, which reminded (laughs) me a lot of Scooby and Shaggy, always, like, scared and running from things, which I I, I think is a great character trait, and it's just, I don't know, it's kind of relatable, you know, if you were in a scary situation, you know, you'd be like Shaggy. Well, and you get to, and because of that, you get to have some of the more ridiculous things happen that, because it's from his point of view. So of course they're exaggerated, like Steve Buscemi, like leaping out of the, out of the cellar and like people getting sucked like a thousand, you know, feet in one second. Yeah. Like that, that, you know, it's from his point of view. So that buys you that kind of like, um, that leeway to be big and ridiculous like Scooby-Doo. I didn't even think of Scooby-Doo watching this, which is insane because obviously, well, they, they also, they also, you know, Hubie Doo, you know, <laughs> that also works as well. So <laughs> that's it's, a sequel. If I've ever heard one, man. Oh yeah. They should do that. You know how like Scooby-Doo used to do like Scooby-Doo meets Don Knotts. Scooby-Doo meets Batman and Robin. Do Scooby-Doo and Hubie. I'm in. Why not? Let's do it. Yeah. You do Let's two cuts do of it. You do one cut for like the Cartoon Network audience and then you do another cut of it. It'd be animated. Of course you do another sure. cut of it for the eight crazy nights audience. Yeah. <laughs> I like that Adam Sandler has done. Has he done a Thanksgiving movie? Just let's, I mean, because Grown Ups is 4th of July. Sure. Right? And then uh, New Year's is Jack and Jill. Eight Crazy Nights is Hanukkah and Christmas. We need a Thanksgiving movie. We need yeah. a uh, St. Patrick's Day movie. He's probably got like another eight movies on his Netflix uh, contract, so I'm sure bring, we'll get it. Bring him on. Enough. I will say that it is great that this week we got both an Adam Sandler and for me, great Adam <laughs> Sandler and Woody Allen movie came out on the same week. Sure. Like uh, that. Who knew? And that both the, both those trailers premiered on the same day as well. Interesting. I feel like somebody's messing with me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what's number three going to be for Joe black though? What, number, what's the third great thing to happen this week within uh, the world of movies? It was not war with grandpa. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, tell you that yeah and and, you know like netflix i mean it's weird i've I've used this time to catch up on netflix kind of stuff like i watched spencer confidential which was terrible and i I tried to watch that charlie's theron movie which i just could not even get through so bad but then i uh, last week i did see that movie the last thing he wanted with ben affleck and ann hathaway two of my top favorites and Mm -hmm. um and i i'd never even heard of it i just it was recommended to me they know me so well and yeah. uh, I loved it. I was just over the moon for it. I was like, this is a political thriller worth a shit, blah, blah, blah. And then I look up the reviews and it has like a 2%. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Yeah, I remember that got, uh, that got pretty badly panned when it came out. See, I'm so out of the loop. You know what I mean? If it's not Adam Sandler, Woody Allen, you know, I, I'm pretty much, uh, uh, you know, it's a luck of the draw, really. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. You got any more uh, puzzle pieces for this one? I have one last piece that's only like, a, it, I, I don't even know if it's like a super piece. It's uh, just the way that they filmed the insane asylum at the beginning of the movie with uh, Ben mm-hmm. Stiller's cameo. It reminded me of the insane of Arkham Asylum, specifically in Batman and Robin. Mr. Freeze's okay. like little lair. Like it just I don't know. That was it. Like it was it, tonally. Uh, it, it reminded me of Batman and Robin, which for me is a good way to start. it. So, yeah, right. 
Yeah. And plus, I mean, that, that cameo was fantastic. And it, it was fun to have him back and, you know, that character. Yeah. And I was wondering, because I knew that what's her name was playing uh, Julie Bo- Bowman. Is that her name? Bowen? Bo- Bowen. Yeah. She, that she was going to be the female lead in this. So I was like, oh, it's a little happy Gilmore reunion. And I bet he came about because of that. Right. You know, um, but uh, Happy Gilmore is not one of my favorites. It's actually okay. lower on my list. It was um, it was him, uh, in my opinion, putting the cart before the horse. Like Billy Madison, it's always that Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, which camp are you in? Kind of like a Beatles sure. kind of thing. And right. Billy Madison for me all the way, because like Billy Madison, the premise exists for the jokes, mm-hmm. you know? And I felt like Happy Gilmore, which I applaud this, was a bigger, le- was a total leap into, no, I want to tell stories. You know mm. what I mean? Happy Gilmore actually has a story and hits those familiar beats and, you know, but it just, it doesn't gel for me nearly as well as some of his later efforts. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but, well, uh, yeah. you know, that's actually a good uh, setup for my final puzzle piece, which I, I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, just some other Sandler movies that I think that he is kind of, you know, recapturing in a way here you know and i guess depending on your point of view of of sandler's place in in you know movies is either a good or a bad thing going back to some of these movies but things like i think the water boys obviously uh an inspiration here uh also little nicky i think is obviously an inspiration here uh but definitely, like some of his more kind of wackier early movies, I think is kind of the direction that he was trying to go with this one. Oh, absolutely. And it was what a brilliant little twist that, like, you know, you're thinking the water boy because of the voice, you know what I mean? Sure. But you're not thinking the water boy because of the mom, because the mom in this is so loving and supportive. But then in the end, it turns out it is like oh, the water boy, you know what right. I mean? Right. With, um, <laughs> with the overprotective mother who goes too far and is, you know. Um, yeah, I think that, but I think that that's wise in a way too, especially because when you think about it, the Adam Sandler movies that aren't just for Adam Sandler fans, his big hits are, you know, Waterboy, Wedding Singer, Happy Gilmore. You know what I mean? Sure. So, like, this is for the people who are familiar with Sandler. You know what I yeah. mean? Come like, oh, I, I, I used to love that guy. Yeah, that Click was, was pretty good, you know. Um, <laughs> and it, it was for that audience, which is, which is a, you know, a smart move, if, if not unintentional. Um, All right. Yeah, I just think that this is a a really like, but like this movie is similar to every Adam Sandler movie in that, like, again, like, look at it, like in Adam Sandler's world of love and support, which is that's his movies, Little Nicky, the devil is just a dad trying to do right by his kids in this movie. The evil, like, you know, kidnapper potential killer is a mom trying to protect her son. And then the escaped psychopath, all he's trying to do is find his buddy. Right. So they can go back to prison together and be friends. You know what I mean? Like, like that's, I love it. I, I love that spirit, you know? And by the end, you know, Kevin James's character, he's not bitter that Hubie is the mayor. He's like, let's get you there, bud. Yeah. You know? He's totally fine with him being with the girl. Like, he's right, like, just right. totally cool with it. I did like that Muppet joke too, where he's like, the little kid's like, you're a Muppet, right? That, that was good. I, I yeah. don't know why I didn't see that coming because it's so obvious, but good for them. But but, you know, people talked about when Bill and Ted came out, um, the new one that like, oh, it's just, you know, a feel good movie, which is what we need right now. Well, it's like just watch Adam Sandler movies like because that's all they are. You know, this movie and I'm glad that people are receptive to this one because this is a well-made, harmless, forgettable, feel good movie about being kind, you know, right. and, and uh, you know, good on him. Like, he, that's why he's my hero. He's not some big, bold, like grand statement whatever and he's not just some write-off fart humor guy he's a salt of the earth blue collar dad right and uh and i i love him i love him i wish i, well, I wish i had three arms so i could get another tattoo <laughs> well maybe one day joe mm-hmm. uh <laughs> why don't we do the finished puzzle we'll get into some closing thoughts here uh finished puzzle for hubie halloween includes the warriors the texas chainsaw massacre 2 uh, American Graffiti, Trick or Treat, Halloween 2. That's Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. A good one. Uh, so- yes. Signs, Freddy vs. Jason, a Halloween music mix CD, Tom Waits' song, What's He Building in There, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Hot Shots Part 2, Scooby-Doo, uh, the Arkham Asylum scene from Batman and Robin, and 
other Adam Sandler movies, such as The Water Boy and Little Dicky. That's so. the greatest collection of pieces that we've ever had on this. Uh, at least that you and I have ever had on this show, as far as I'm it, concerned. It's a it's a good it's a good list. It's all over the place with comedies and and Halloween. I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I love Halloween. So I mean, oh, yeah. you know, this this is a movie that celebrates Halloween. Yeah, you know? very much so. And Halloween in that best sense, which Halloween as like a communal, like family kind of, you know what I mean, like just a community based. Yeah. Celebration of eccentricity, you know, like sure. none of like the, you know, the creepy or the whatever. It's just it's fun. It's it's I mean, for fuck's sake, half Halloween is candy, you know, like <laughs> I'm surprised that neither of us I, I, I was I could have said, but I didn't want to say because I don't like either of these movies and it's controversial. But I the first Halloween is obviously like a big influence on. This sure. Movie. I and thought about the I thought about the new remake is what I thought of. David Gordon Green. Or David the Gordon Green. Zombie. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. well, yeah, the escape from the sound, but then also Jaws, like, because that was like the big thing where they're like, you got to cancel the festival. And he's like, we can't sure. do that. Yeah, that would work. That would definitely work as a piece. That's a George, uh, George Wallace, right? Is that guy's name the, the, the mayor? I think so. Yeah. He also was the mayor in Little Nicky um, okay. <laughs> of New York. But, you know, when I think of him, I actually think of your, your home city there, uh, Vegas, like, uh, because uh, last time I was in Vegas, or no, it was when I went for Chad's uh, film festival. Oh, okay, for Polygon. Which was seven years ago tomorrow. That, oh, yeah, that's October. It would be right Yeah, now. it was seven years ago tomorrow that I'm thinking of this billboard. But there was a George Wallace billboard because apparently he was doing like some kind of a stand-up show. And a little quote from him on it that was like, it's hot as hell. Like that was the whole quote. <laughs> I was like, that's the joke. All right. Sounds about right. He had another one that said, did you win? Me neither. Like that. <laughs> I mean, that's gold right there. <laughs> I, I almost went. I, I almost went. Um, I ended up seeing Carrot Top instead. No regrets. Yeah. I Carrot Top puts on a good show. One of the hardest decisions I ever had to make my first time in Vegas. It was, do I go see Carrot Top, Gallagher, or Andrew Dice Clay? Mm, yeah. I that, went with Carrot Top. Tough. Well, I didn't go with Gallagher because he doesn't do the props anymore, which I don't just like his props, but it's like, come on, you know, so like, no. And then Andrew Dice Clay, it's like, I mean, I'm going to see him wherever I live down the road from him. And also like, it's in a big stadium. Carrot Tops is in like a smaller venue. Yeah, I think you made the right choice. Oh, I agree. I agree. (laughs) Well, any uh, any other last thoughts about Hubie before we wrap it up? More, please. You know, like just just keep them coming. One or two Adam Sandler movies every year. I'm fine with that. Like, and honestly, I in a way, I almost hope that he doesn't go to theaters anymore, only because he's obviously got creative freedom to do what he wants on Netflix, right? So I'm not missing out in that regard. And Mm -hmm. people, you know, it's easier to like leave him alone in a way. Yeah. Like, like, and 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 it's he's more accessible for the audience that he's trying to reach. At this point, you know what I mean? If you've got two kids, you know, and you want to take your family to go see an Adam Sandler movie in the theater, it's, you know, 50 bucks at least. You you know what I mean? Or you can just watch it at home. And I and that is the good of Netflix. You know what I mean? Like, like there is a nice little, you know, pocket where they're useful in that way. Um, So honestly, maybe he should just get his own channel like Oprah, (laughs) where we get all of the movies that star him and his friends. And or movies that were directed by Dennis Dugan, Saving Silverman, anybody? Um, <laughs> yeah. Didn't Steve Brill do uh, Heavyweights, now that I think about it? Yeah, and uh, which was co-written by Apatow. Yeah. I think that was Apatow's first like uh, movie credit, too. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time I knew who Judd Apatow was was because when Cable Guy was coming out, they did like the mm-hmm. canned ham HBO special of the making of the Cable Guy to promote it, and it was hosted yeah. by Judd Apatow. I remember okay. that. I remember yeah. that. Wow. He called me handsome once. <laughs> that That's probably a good story for uh, what, for when we do... Uh, what Which Apatow was it that you wanted to do one of these days? I'm missing pieces. Funny People? You wa- was it Funny People? Yeah, I think so. Coinky Dink? Right. I think not. Yeah, might happen one of these days. <laughs> well, Joe, have you seen anything else lately you'd like to recommend to our listeners? I really do want to recommend that, uh, you know, the, the last thing he wanted. Like, I, I thought it was really good. And when I read all of the criticisms of it, I was just like, it, like, the criticisms are that it's like all over the place and it's like hard to follow. And it's like, well, yeah, like she's getting thrown all over the place. She doesn't know what's going on. She's scared and confused. Things are coming at her. I mean, yeah, that's what that's that. Is that a problem? 
Like, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Have you guys ever watched a David Lynch movie for God's sakes? Like, you know, like you have to know what's going on all the time to be able to get involved. Whatever. Right. <laughs> oh, I did. I did forget to mention little Nikki. I think that is a reference to David Lynch to twin peaks specifically. Um, cause on twin peaks in season two, there's like a storyline where, um, where Andy and uh, what's his name have like the adopted kid that they're trying to like be big brothers to. And his name is Nicholas. And they start to suspect he's the spawn of Satan. Cause he's trying, they think he's trying to kill them and they call him little Nikki. Okay. Yeah. That, that checks out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we cracked it. Well, Joe, uh, why don't you tell people about your work and where they can find you? Oh, finally. I've been talking about it ever since you've had me on here. I finally have a website. You uh, do. BlueMeansPregnantFilms.com. You can watch all of my feature-length films that I've written and directed. They're all on there for you to watch for free. Um, there's a collection of short films. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes uh, documentaries and like little short uh, special segments that we shot, promos. You can also see like all the bios and links to all the talented people I've been working with for like 20 years now. It was it's a big website and it's all there for free. Blue means You can even order um, all of our films are released now on Blu-ray and you can order them exclusively through that website. They're really cheap <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, they come with special features that aren't featured on the on the website, like extra little making ofs and commentaries and like, you know, yeah, I'm asking very little of people. I just want to share it with them. So like even the discs themselves, I'm literally just charging for like the manufacturing at this point. You know what I mean? Right. Just, and uh, I'm just excited to finally have that out there. You can also find us on, you know, uh, our uh, Facebook fan page, Blue Means Pregnant Films. Beautiful. Well, mm-hmm. Joe, as always, thank you so much for, for being here. And I uh, look forward to getting you back again one of these days soon. Oh, ditto, ditto. See you soon. I'm Christy. And I'm Jackie. And we are Killer Fun. We explore the intersection of crime and entertainment every other week. For as long as people have been communicating, they have been talking about who did what to whom, and is that socially acceptable? Because the boundaries of society, crime, and entertainment have always gone hand in hand. The more salacious, weird, the better. From books and movies, to television shows and games, we look at how life and art imitate and inform one another. And we can't get together and not laugh. So let's face it, there's going to be laughing. (laughs) Killer fun is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. So join us. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Hubie Halloween. Thank you to Joe Black for coming back to the show. Always have a good time talking with Joe about these movies. And, uh, you know, if you're out there listening and you've ever thought, hey, I'd like to be on an episode of Piecing It Together, I could get into this whole puzzle pieces thing. You should get in touch with me because there are a lot of movies coming out over the next few months and I'm always looking for new co-hosts. So get in touch. And while you're at it, you can follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And don't forget about our Patreon, produced by David Rosen. It's patreon.com slash bydavidrosen, where there are multiple tiers. For $3 a month, you get uh, early access to episodes of the podcast that will eventually be going up at some point, but for now are being uh, you know, held back for scheduling reasons and whatnot. So always new content being added there. But then at the $5 a month... You get bonus exclusive content that's not available anywhere else from my music career. So that's going to be exclusive music releases, including these new commentaries I'm putting up for my original four albums that came out over the last seven years, as well as uh, just totally all new music that's not going to get released on Spotify and on CD and all that kind of stuff. Also, exclusive content from Piecing It Together, from Awesome Movie Year, from All Rice, No Beans, and we'll see what else we end up putting up on there. But lots of great exclusive content. And then there's some other tiers you can check out as well while you're on there. So check out the Patreon. And, you know, the the more more subscribers we get on there, the more content we're going to make for it. So I do appreciate all of you who go and sign up. Uh, it's really awesome and an exciting new way for us to... Um, you know, continue to promote this and make it bigger and better. So that's it for today. Uh, Like I mentioned at the top of the show, we got a lot of piecing it together coming your way over the next few weeks. Lots of new episodes. And I have been busy also promoting my new album, David Rosen. Uh, That is a self-titled new album. It's my sixth album of instrumental music. It is available now. And instead of playing a track from that, I am going to continue with the Hubie Halloween spirit and play a nice, fun, silly Halloween track. 
it's out there on Spotify through one of these libraries that has distributed my music in the past. It's not on any of my albums, but it's called Hell Night. It is, uh, it's a piece that I originally made for licensing to, you know, commercials and things like that. Uh, but this, this company thought it would be a cool track to put on one of their mix CDs. Like I mentioned as one of the puzzle pieces, Halloween mix CDs. I was kind of thinking of this song in the process. <laughs> so, uh, enjoy Hell Night. I think this could have fit pretty well in a movie like Hubie Halloween. And we'll be back with more piecing it together coming up real soon that I'm sure I'll end up playing some of my, uh, more more serious music uh, during the ending pieces of the new episodes. But for now, enjoy Hell Night, and we'll be back with more Piecing It Together coming up real soon. West Production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.